Welcome to 6-Minute Stories, where you hear the writing of new voices and experienced writers whose submissions appear in the anthologies of the Personal Story Publishing Project. Now in Season 7, you will hear stories from our 8th collection, Lost and Found. Find links to 6-Minute Stories and to the Personal Story Publishing Project at randalljones.com. Everybody loves a good story. We hope you enjoy this one. Tough Times by Paula Team Levy. In January 1883, my great grandmother, Alsoni Horton, and her brother Jefferson were the only survivors from their family following a smallpox epidemic in Cincinnati, Ohio. The orphans were placed on a coal barge and sent upriver to live with relatives in Charleston, West Virginia. Records from Alsoni's early life are scant, but the family stories suggest a determined and resourceful person who kept a low profile during difficult times. A search of what records were available revealed a marriage record of Earl Cavender and Allie, that is Alsoni, Horton, uniting in April 1920. Two years later, the city directory for Charleston showed Allie and Earl on Fry Street, with Earl employed as a farmer. Earl, it seems, was working for some farmers who were growing white corn on farms located next to a creek. The pairing of white corn and soft West Virginia water offered the perfect conditions to turn that corn into moonshine. Indeed, moonshine was the best cash crop that a West Virginia farmer ever had. Unfortunately, Earl died young in 1925, in an era when women had little opportunity to enter into any workplace. Allie had to rely on her own creativity and ingenuity to keep a roof over her head and to put food on her table. Records show that she purchased a two-story house on Washington Street and opened her home to boarders. But Allie continued to work with the farmers, you know, to help sell and to distribute their moonshine. Allie lived within sight of the state capitol in downtown Charleston, so she had to keep a low profile and to behave herself as far as anyone could tell. She hired a 15-year-old lad to be a lookout. His duties included alerting Allie should someone arrive who was not invited, who should not be purchasing moonshine, or who was, heaven forbid, a dang revenuer nosing around. Allie had strict rules about selling to those who were underage or known to be drunkards. As a moonshiner, she had her principles. With some of her earnings, Allie bought a black 1925 Packard automobile, the big one. The young man drove her Packard to make deliveries after midnight. She had grown up in Kanawha County, so she knew all the back roads. She could easily navigate them under the cover of the darkness. The revenuers could not. No one suspected that he was making deliveries, but Allie often rode along in the passenger seat anyway. She knew that an automobile with a woman in it was not as likely to be stopped or searched by the authorities. One day the sheriff came to greet Allie at the boarding house with a good afternoon, Mrs. Cavender. One might imagine that he was campaigning for re-election, but he was really signaling Allie to hide her moonshine. He had learned that a search warrant for her residence had been issued by the revenuers. The sheriff might well have been thinking about votes, 
but he was probably just as interested in getting a quart of moonshine in exchange for providing the information. The revenuers came, just as expected. Allie had placed some quart jars of moonshine in an empty flour barrel. Then she sat on top of the barrel so that it was hidden beneath the flowing skirts of her long dress that touched the floor. Allie knew women were protected by laws from having their persons searched. Moreover, unknown to the revenuers, they were standing on a rug that concealed a trap door to more moonshine hidden under the floor. Disappointed in finding no illegal moonshine, the revenuers left Allie's home. Allie later boasted when telling that story, I outfoxed those fellers. Allie felt an obligation to use some of her earnings from the sale of the moonshine to provide for her family, friends, and those in the community down on their luck. She is remembered for delivering big bags of groceries to Earl's relatives and her brother Jeffrey and his family on Sundays and holidays. Their children looked forward to rides in her Packard into the country when she came for a visit. Allie Cavender died in 1946 in Charleston. It is said that quite a crowd attended her funeral, including several state officials and political leaders with whom she was acquainted. Some said that she was no more than a common outlaw. Others who knew her better called her a hometown hero, someone who made life better for those around her. By all accounts, she was an independent woman of great strength, generosity, and resourcefulness. She did what she needed to survive. And although some thought she had lost her way, I think they came to find out what the family already knew. Times were tough, but my great-grandmother Allie was tougher. Copyright 2023, Paula Team Levy. Paula Team Levy is a retired registered nurse living in Clover, South Carolina. She is a member of several genealogical societies. Her stories have appeared in six previous anthologies of the Personal Story Publishing Project. Who's That Lady, which appeared in Curious Stuff, was recently published in the Journal of the Burke County, North Carolina Genealogical Society. Paula's goal is to preserve as many family stories as possible for future generations so they will not be at risk of being forgotten or lost forever. Thank you for listening to another 6-Minute Story. You can read them all in the eight anthologies of the Personal Story Publishing Project. Find the link to our online store at randalljones.com. That's R-A-N-D-E-L-L jones.com. There you can learn about submitting your own story for consideration for our next personal story publishing project. And remember, everybody loves a good story.